don't you just love the old yeah, pay-per-view you themes? Ha- you happy about this one? You happy about this one, I, Oster? I, I, I appreciate the old themes and how Aaron, <laughs> by Aaron Oster request we start with this old Survivor Series theme that I I just can't even believe was ever a thing. This is the show that uh, The Undertaker debuted on, and it started out with this music. Oh, God. There it is. All right. Anyway, this is Jobbing Out. I'm all messed up now because of this. (laughs) I'm Glenn Glark. He's Aaron Oster of the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. It is our weekly trip around the world of professional wrestling and the WWE. It's all brought to you by WrestleCrate. Appreciate them being a part of what we do, WrestleCrate.com. Use the code JOSENTME. Take 10% off your monthly subscription to uh, what is the greatest care package known to man, real professional wrestling goodies, fatheads, DVDs, autograph stuff, T-shirts from pro football, pro football, pro wrestling tees and barbershop window. I was doing really well right up until then. Yeah. Right up until then. Uh, all available in your monthly WrestleCrate subscription, WrestleCrate.com, and use that code JOSENTME. Packages start at just 15 bucks, but... They can be less, 10% less, by using that code JOSENTME. Coming up in this week's show, we're going to talk to a Hall of Famer, Tully Blanchard. They're uh, doing a great event here locally in the uh, Baltimore area where they're going to get not all of them, but some of the four horsemen back together this weekend. A good chunk of them. good chunk of them, for sure. Ric Flair will be there. Tully will be there. J.J. Dillon will be there. Baby Doll. Baby Doll will be there. Uh, the Rides of the Four Horsemen here in Joppa. We're going to talk to Tully about that, and as well as his own daughter, and all things in the world of professional wrestling coming up a little bit later on in today's show. But we'll lead off. Our main event this week will be uh, sort of a reaction to what we saw Monday night. You know, last week we had the big breaking news that Seth Rollins was going to be out of action for up to nine months. Not happy about it. Uh, none of us were, including uh, AJ, who joined us last week. And we knew that something like this was coming. We knew there was going to be a tournament to decide the new champion. We got the bracket on Monday. We got the first five matches of the 16-man bracket out of the way on Monday Night Raw. And, you know, so far about what we expected, nothing terribly surprising. I think the big sort of cloud that hovers over this is... Roman Reigns. And and they set it up perfectly. They started out Monday night with Triple H coming out with Roman Reigns and, you know, basically setting up the storyline for the tournament. This isn't just going to be a tournament competition-wise. There is going to be a storyline hanging over it, which is, will Roman Reigns join, uh, you know, become Triple right. H's guy and basically become the new authority champion? They didn't – what they didn't do is have Roman Reigns, you know, like – well, maybe I'll think about it. They didn't do that. They 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 perfectly had Roman Reigns say, you know, take your offer and shove it. You yep. know what I mean? They did they did it that way, and that's the right way to do it. But it leaves just enough of a thought process that maybe Roman Reigns could change his mind as he gets closer to Survivor Series and realize, hey, how can I guarantee my opportunity you know, to become the champion? Uh, as we found out, Cesaro is going to be a second round matchup. If Cesaro gives him just an unbelievably tough matchup, all of a sudden you get the announcers saying, "Hey, you know, maybe he should just take take this offer and not have to face, you know, Alberto Del Rio well, and, or whoever." And, and next week you have to have Triple H kind of linger after a match and come back by and say, "Hey, just so you know, offer's offer still on the table." Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I know you, I know you said take it and shove it, but. It's still there if you'll consider it. I mean, you got to do a couple of things in order to keep it fresh in everyone's mind. With the reality being, you don't have to pay it off in a particular way. No, I mean, you could pay, you could pay it off that way. Right. You could pay it off with somebody else turning. You know, I had suggested Dean 
that it would be a nice swerve. Right. If yeah. Dean you didn't. Was in the you didn't. You didn't want to take us up on our offer. Well, look who did. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I think it's. I think they did that. That first segment of Monday night, uh, pretty well. Let me let me pull the curtain back for a second. I've told told you before. It, Raw in England is always very difficult for me. In general, because I find any Raw that isn't live to essentially be SmackDown. And the live TV, whether it's Raw, pay-per-view, WWE Network, whatever it is, presents the opportunity for you never know what's going to happen. Even if you avoid the spoilers, which I, I've been doing for the last few years. I don't bother to go read spoilers. Um, you, you don't get the same thing when Raw's in England because somebody is reading spoilers. And so you do know what's going to happen. And if something significant were to happen, you'd know about it before. WWE would probably even break it as they've been doing lately for SmackDown. Correct. So you kind of know nothing significant is going to happen when you watch a show that isn't live. And it just, it's always bothered me. It's always going to bother me. It's why I can't get into SmackDown. I just can't do it. No matter how much I've wanted to get into SmackDown, I can't because there is not the belief that anything could happen when you tune in and watch. That presumably you're going to watch a wrestling show. And it could be a very good wrestling show. I didn't think Monday night was a bad wrestling show. It was a very good episode. I thought, you know, we're, we're talking about making things matter. Every, pretty much everything that happened on well, Monday night. In large night part because of this tournament. Right. right. But that, you know. Right. I get it. Yeah. It's just that, that I'm dealing with that. So. I got to keep that in mind when I say I thought it was well done, but there was no expectation of anything significant coming out of it for me. Right. I thought it was exactly the way that you know they should have it go. It's a little bit disappointing that you couldn't have any involvement with Seth. You know what I mean? Like a taped statement, something. And I assume we'll be later down down the road. As right. We obviously, start, we're going to get it more. You know, and more. he had surgery and. It's awkward that this all happened overseas, right? right? Like you're going to suffer a significant injury. That's the worst place where you could be to sort of go through that. But it's just a shame because he's been such a good champion that I almost feel like in in completely eliminating from the picture kind of devalues everything just a little bit. I I bet you he shows up at Survivor Series. Okay, I think that would be good. I think it would be very good if they had him show up at Survivor Series. I think that you need to have Seth. As you're crowning a new champion, I think that Seth somehow has to be involved in some way because he's been so significant. Uh, Roman is very interesting because it is believable enough. Enough people have suggested that he would be a great authority champion, that you know a, a Roman Reigns' heel turn would be awesome. It's just that you have, as we talked about last week with AJ, you have been struggling so much to get this guy over. You have been trying and trying and trying to make him your new John Cena. And you finally appear to be right on the cusp of not, ne- but but getting to a point where oh look he's a credible face champion, correct? If not John Cena, correct? Yeah, I don't think you can bail on that now, because the problem is, if you do, if you bail on it at Survivor Series, even if you bring John Cena back immediately, John Cena is not your big face, as we've talked about over and over and over again. He's just the guy you want to have be your big face. You you want that, right? Um, you do need a top heel right now that is missing from the company at the moment. And Reigns could, or someone could fill that role. Now, here's what you could do. Now, let's say it is uh, Reigns and Ambrose. You use it to elevate both of them. You use it to elevate Reigns to the top heel, and you use it to elevate Ambrose to the top face, or vice versa. Or vice versa, right. And I think that we're all good with that, and I think that that's pr- – I think most people believe that to be the most likely scenario that comes out of this whole thing. Um, and it's almost why – 
it's funny because last week I said I'm not okay with it being an eight-man tournament. It should be 16-man. You should drag it out over you know TV the next couple of weeks. But then at the same time, I'm like looking at all these people and thinking to myself, ah. Kalisto's they're, in it. They're not making you champion. <laughs> yeah. But even the guys that are credible, like even Dolph Ziggler, you know what I mean? Right. Like I, I like that Dolph Ziggler is involved, and I and you should be able to get some good out of having a Dolph Ziggler involved in the tournament like this. But you just watch it and you say to yourself, they're not giving Dolph Ziggler the belt. Like yep. they're just not. I mean, we, we know the final four. The final four is almost certainly going to be Reigns, Del Rio, Owens, Ambrose, based on how the uh, bracket is set up. I mean, that would be the most logical thing, yes. That would be the most logical set. I think there was a little bit of, and we'll talk more about the tournament in the second segment. Um, but I, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess that was just the part that bothered me, is that like it all feels like we're setting up for this just to be Roman Reigns in the final, likely against Dean Ambrose, Survivor Series, is it even worth going through the tournament if we already have a predetermined outcome? You know, and I think that this was a misstep by WWE. Not the the tournament, I think, is good, but they could have used it as a way to build them truly build the momentum for Roman Reigns. I had talked uh, before Hell in a Cell about how Reigns really need to get some momentum going. That's one of the things that he really lacked last year before he uh, went into the Rumble. Because of the injury, he had lost all of his momentum and didn't right. really have any chance to build it up again. This was a chance to really build that momentum, coming off the big win against Wyatt. You could have had him go against three guys who he would have beaten and been cheered by beating. Because the bracket set up, he could have beaten Big Show as he did, and he was cheered for the most part for beating Big Show. Sheamus could have been the next round, and he would have been favored against right. Sheamus. And then Del Rio in the semifinals. So three credible guys, three guys who he would have been cheered against. Instead, they're doing this weird thing where Cesaro is now facing yeah. him in the next round, which seems to me like a misstep. Yeah, like why Why put yourself through that? Why put yourself through half did, the crowd's going to be... Did they not learn what happened with Daniel Bryan? Right, right. No, I, I hear what you're yeah. saying, and I, I think that's it's relatively fair, and I do think it's a bit of a misstep. I, again, I'll come back to, though, I, I'm going to be disappointed if you do this entire tournament and you don't really get anything out of it. You know what I mean? Like that all you get out of it was... We all kind of thought it was going to lead to Reigns Rollins or Reigns Ambrose. We get to Reigns Ambrose, and in the process, no one seems to have gotten anywhere that they weren't going to already be. You know what I mean? We already knew that Dolph Ziggler was going to end up with you know feuding with Tyler Breeze. We already knew that all this stuff was already set in motion because they were preparing for a pay per view without you know knowing without this pay per view. You're right. But Seth Rollins' injury came in the midst of their preparations for a pay per view. So if they just said, "Hey, let's just do this tournament." To get the ultimate means to the end, get us to Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, that's all well and good, but the tournament is supposed to be, and this is what I talk about with the, the, the reasons why I'm disappointed they don't do this stuff more often, is it's such a natural way to make the wrestling matter. And it's such a natural way to create actual rivalries and to create further storylines. Things A tournament is so easy because you took away my opportunity to do blank. Right. It's such an easy thing for everybody to figure out. And it, it smells like we're doing a bunch of individual matches that don't have any life beyond the match itself. The match mattered from the time it started to the time that it ended, and that's the end of it. And then, oh, Titus O'Neil was involved with the tournament match? Great. Now you go back to doing nothing. Right. And Kalista was involved with the tournament match? Great. Now you go back to doing nothing. I'm very concerned they just put together this tournament for the sake of 
let's get to the part where we do Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, and no one else ends up getting anything out of it. Uh, I think the way it's set up is, I think for the first round, you're very right that these were just kind of, okay, we need to establish these guys got, you know, basically the play-in games to get into the real tournament. If you look at the bracket, though, it sets up a couple interesting possibilities. That final four match between Owens and Ambrose is potentially very interesting. I think could lead to something a little bit more. Uh, supposedly, they were thinking at, either at Survivor Series or a little bit later having that feud between Ambrose and Owens happen over the Intercontinental title, so they could use it to pushing off there. There are a few cases along the way where you can clearly see, okay, they're doing this because they okay. might want to set it up, okay, but just not necessarily in the first round. Yeah, and and I can hear the argument for that. I just I got to see it. You know what I mean? I get I'm not I'm not completely bailing on the idea in general. I just have to see it. And again, I keep coming back to, is it the right thing at the end of this? Is it the right thing to put the belt on Roman right now? Is it a better idea to put the belt on Dean for a little while and kind of ask Dean to be Seth, right? That, right. And, and, I, and that's I, what I had been talking about. You know, you want that chase. You really want that chase with Roman. You want the crowd support. Because even if he wins, even if, you know, the crowd won't, Will be there, I think, a good part of the crowd. But you want that reason to but cheer I, for and him. And again, I think it also comes off as, oh, so you just set everything up to give it to Roman, huh? You know, like, really? And I don't think that's the right way to do things. I just... I, I think they envision Survivor Series as Roman finally conquering, you know, whatever you think about Seth Rollins, whether or not this is true. In their mind, Seth Rollins is this great heel champion. People can't wait to see the belt well, he's come been, off of. He's been a champion for a long time, right. and he is disliked. Right. So their idea was, okay, Roman's going to conquer this guy, and that's you know going to be that push that right. he needs. Now he doesn't have that anymore, so you have to figure out a new way. Now, whether that way is you finally, he finally, you know, kicks Triple H on the way. You know, Triple H. Remember the the CM Punk Cena match back in 2011, yep. where Cena decked Vince. Yep. That's you know you do something like that where Triple H tr- comes out tries to. Hand reigns the belt. He decks Triple H and still ends up winning. Something along those lines. And then you go into a feud with Triple H. Okay, maybe that's the way you do okay. it to, to get right. the little push there. Right. But otherwise, I agree with you. I think that Roman could really benefit from chasing something and really... Uh, I hate to use this word because it's become so such a terrible thing to say in wrestling, but to really overcome something. Yeah, yeah, I hate that too, but you're right. But... I mean, other than the the laughing, oh look, Cena's overcoming the odds. But if you if you really want him to be a baby face, if you yeah. really want someone to be you a need baby to face, put him in a position correct. where he has to, oh, I, I say, overcome yeah, something absolutely. to stop something to stop the machine at work, and you know whether that you can do it at Survivor Series, but it might be a little easier to do it down the line. Yes, and. Again, all of this awkward because you could hear an argument for, do we really want four more months of Roman chasing Seth, right? And, and it's a risk. But, you have, you know, he, at least to some degree, is over right now. Roman no, Roman. but I, I, I'm taking a step back. Okay. If you had pulled the trigger on it now, had Seth not gotten hurt, you could hear the argument for, I don't know that everyone wants four more months of Roman chasing Seth, but this is completely different. If this just ends with Roman beating Dean Ambrose in a match, mm, right. what did you get out of that? Like, right. what, what did it really do for anyone? How right. did it really help other than these were ultimately your two guys? It's certainly better than that time that you just came out and stuck a belt on uh, uh, Triple H years ago by well, having him, by having him uh, have a fake match with Ric Flair on Raw. Like, it's obviously way better than that. But 
it's still not good. It still didn't really give you a moment. It still creates a champion that doesn't really feel like they necessarily earned or deserved that championship belt, right? They didn't really beat the champion. He just sort of beat some guys that, frankly, we don't think are good enough to be champion. I think that Roman needs if, – if if you're going to make a big deal out of Roman becoming the champion, I don't think he there's He needs a, a foil, and he doesn't have a foil exactly. right now. Exactly. And here's the thing. It would be one thing if he won it and then immediately – which is why I kind of say – Okay, you might be able to still pull this off with him as a face champion if you immediately have Triple H, you know, right. point to something right. and say, okay, well, you just won. Well, you you turned your back on me. Well, now you're going to have to go through the ring. Right. The problem is that guy's not there at the moment. They are completely depleted. Yep. I mean, and that's the problem with the tournament. Again, I like the tournament. I'm not down on the tournament. It's just that looking at the names of the 16 guys – as much as these are guys that I might have wanted to see involved in a tournament, one, nothing from the New Day. I mean, nothing. Which, which they talked about on the Right. Um, and two, name of, of these 16 guys, credibly, how many do you think they could ever write into being the champion in a month? Um, six. And that might be generous. I think you're, I think you're pushing it to I, find I, six. I mean, I, Reigns, Ambrose, Owen, Sheamus. Del Rio, Sheamus, Cesaro would be there. I think that you're stretching on and, and C- I said, Cesaro. And, You'd have to do something where he, for instance, became, became corporate. the corporate champion. Right. right. But those are the six guys. Yeah. I mean, I I still think a couple of them. It's, I, I said I think, it's a stretch I, to yeah, get I think, this I think six, Owens but. and Cesaro are kind of stretches in there. Del Rio, obviously, you could always just pull the, you know, the trigger with Del Rio because he's been champion before. If you want to say Ziggler, maybe. Eh. But that's more of, that, that's the yeah, I think you're really stretching yeah. at that point. And right. I think that's the problem with doing the tournament this way is that – you just it reminds you of just how depleted the WWE is at the moment. And that's the problem with having to make a title change right now is that I think it you almost have to give it to a transitional champion. You almost have to have somebody hold the belt, bite the bull. It might be best to have Del Rio come out of come out of this as the champion. Because your champion is not gonna look strong. What about AJ's theory where in the middle of the match you, you don't have anyone you know, right, you do the Seamus thing. I've, I've always said I think that's a good idea. I think that right now, because of how everything's played out, you can, you can bite the bullet on Seamus, right? Like you, you made the mistake of giving him the stupid briefcase. At some point, you're gonna have to deal with it. Why not just get it over with now? Let him be the, right. you know, the sacrifice here. Take the title for a bit. Let, let Roman chase him. For two months. For two months. Rumble. Win the belt then and be done with the Seamus problem. You know, Seamus eventually just solved your problem. Well, you know, Seamus line with Triple H, you know what I mean? I think any of those well, things. Well, I, I think if Seamus wins, Seamus is aligning with Triple H. I don't think there's a question in my mind uh, about that. I mean, that's but, always been natural. Yeah, it's been natural because we know from the outside that two of them are friends, but they've never really addressed that on, on TV. There's never been a television look at the fact that Seamus only exists because of his friendship with Triple H. Right. So I don't know that it's as natural. It's not perfectly natural, but if you're, we're, we're setting it up, and again, like I said, they've done a good job of right. Triple H setting up. You this, set it up with Roman Reigns. I want to have control of the title. We now we've put that in everyone's right. mind. Triple H wants control of the title. How is he going to get control of the title? Well, the Money in the Bank briefcase Absolutely. holder this is what they did with Randy Orton against completely, Daniel Bryan at, completely at SummerSlam a couple of years ago. That you just come back to, okay, we don't like who the champion is about to be. Let's figure out a way. Or and you and what it also would do is mean you don't have to turn either Ambrose or Reigns right. in that process. Choice. Now I don't know if that's. If it's if it's logical to keep them both you know faces right now, I don't know. But if you don't want to turn either one of them, the Sheamus thing solves that problem, which is you you have this friendly match between two brothers, right, for the championship yep. at Survivor Series. It's 
you know, whoever, well, whoever wins wins, right? Like the, may the best man win. And all of a sudden in the middle, you interject Seamus and then it kind of rips them a little bit. The two of them kind of fight, fight with each other now when you have a third party and thrown into the mix. It's something along those lines. Yep. I think it'd be a very logical play to have Seamus end up walking out of Survivor Series with the belt. I think it might be the most logical play to have Seamus walk out of, again, because you can't hurt Seamus all that much because Again, who cares about Seamus? And maybe, who knows, maybe this would be the thing that finally gets him over as a true, credible heel. Maybe. Instead of just annoying. You just know, aligning himself with, with the authority. Trip and and right. putting the belt on him. And Yeah, exactly. That's the thing that all of a sudden Seamus becomes more than this kind of goofball who has the right. mohawk. He is, he's the champion, he's the heel, and he has the backing of the authority. Yeah, okay. I can I can buy into that a little bit. It's, I don't know if it's true. He's still but, Seamus at yeah, the end of the day. Exactly. I don't know if it's true, right. but it's it's a thought process. Yeah, that could it's, go it's better than what you've been doing with him for sure yep. it's it's way better and it, and what do you have to lose right now because you're so depleted you are just so lost at the top right. of you, your you need you need what you need to do you need to come out of survivor series with a top a clear top face and a clear top heel yeah yeah however you get there well but but we all know unless he turns roman's the top face you know what i mean well like, okay but uh, that's what i'm saying yeah is... and it, but if he turns then you need to create ambrose as your top right face you know what i mean like if you're going to turn Reigns, and I still keep coming back to I don't think you can, then you need to create somebody else as your top face. I think it's easier right now to align someone as your top heel by just having them line up with Triple H. Correct. And they, there there are some people, you know, we talked about Sheamus. Owens also would make some sense yeah, there. It, it, I, I don't think it will happen because he has the IC title and, and it, it's a it little too early. It doesn't really make sense based on the way that you've introduced his character, which is yep. I don't care about anyone else. I don't care but about this But his character stuff. is I care about feeding – you know, I will do whatever to feed my family and but, yeah, I know like that, that, but it, it again, it doesn't make sense for him to do Triple H's dirty work, right? Like it doesn't make sense Well, for, to, to get the title, they've set it up in a way where he, he, he goes through his head, if I have the title – I make more money. I'm a prize fighter. I, you know, he I said, hear, I'm a prize fighter. I hear what you're saying, but now you have to do someone else's bidding, and that is is very much not Kevin Owens that we've been introduced to. That, you know that's I mean? a fair like, point. But you could you could do it. Kim, I'm not saying it's impossible. Stores. I'm not telling you it's impossible. I just think that it's it's tough based on the way that you've presented. You right. would have to have a big monologue in the center of the ring where he explains things. He would sort of have to reintroduce himself because it does not fit with what we know of Kevin Owens. And he could, but he could do that. I'm not saying you can't. Right. I'm, right. You just, I, I'm just, what I'm trying to point out here is there are a number of guys who I feel that by aligning themselves with Triple H, it, it wouldn't be unnatural to all of a sudden make them the top heel in the company. Well, I think you I, could even do that with Del Rio but I, if, I, the, okay. if the bracket was set up differently. Yeah, I think it's too quick to pull that with Del Rio when you've been trying to force this. Not that anybody thinks that this Mex-American thing is you know even remotely salvageable, but I think that you can't do it and then pull the, you know, just wipe it away two weeks later. Well, you could, I mean, you, you just incorporate it into it. You just say, Vince is like, you're right, Zeb. You're, you're, you're really going to have Triple H get on board with Mex America? Come I on, mean, dude. I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's really, 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 really. You're not, you're not really doing bad. it that way. No, you have not. to abandon it. I just, I, I, I'm just saying there, there are guys who, if you align them with Triple H, can be a credible topic. I hear, I hear what you're saying. All right, let's grab a break. When we come back in, we'll go over everything else from Raw on Monday night, including a um, an interesting end of the show. We will talk about that next. I'm Glenn. He's Aaron. This is Jobbing Out. Are you a believer in the Retriever? 
The UMBC Sports Marketing Team is proud to support UMBC Athletics through marketing and promoting the UMBC Division I game day experience with giveaways, in-game entertainment, and much, much more. Tickets for Retriever action starts as low as $2. Follow UMBC Sports on Instagram at Retriever Believer and on Twitter at UMBC Sports Marketing for all your promotional updates of the Retrievers. For a complete schedule of UMBC Athletics, visit UMBCRetrievers.com. The UMBC Sports Marketing staff looks forward to seeing you as a Retriever Believer at the Games. At Smythe Jewelers, we celebrate how big love can be. When your love for her is so big that you can't even begin to describe it, there's only one thing to do. Take her to Smythe Jewelers, the biggest jewelry store on the East Coast. At Smythe, you'll find the biggest selection and the biggest savings. Because at Smythe, we work directly with the diamond cutters. So we can help you find a diamond that's as big as your love. And that's why Smythe is where Marilyn gets engaged. Smythe Jewelers in Timonium, Ellicott City, and Annapolis. Looking for licensed Orioles and Ravens jewelry for the sports fan in your life? Charles Nusenoff and Sons Jewelers. 8720 Sater Hill Road in Parkville since 1923. Charles Nusenoff and Sons has provided the Baltimore area with affordable fine jewelry, quality repair workmanship, and a total devotion to customer service. Looking to pop the question? Charles Nusenoff and Sons has designer mountings and certified loose diamonds. Prices that can't be beat for the perfect proposal. Download their new app, the Vow Engagement Ring. Finder for iPhone or Android and search styles, get prices, and even upload a picture of your hand and try rings on virtually. Charles Newson Often Sons, Orioles, Ravens Jewelry, and the Vow Engagement Ring Finder. Go to charlesnewsonoff.com or call 410-661-5050. Charles Newson Often Sons Jewelers, 8720 Cedar Hill Road in Parkville. Let's grow. Let's scroll together. If you're like most folks, you drop by your local Royal Farm store for a fast, fresh, delicious breakfast sandwich on your way to wherever it is you're on your way to. But maybe you're ready for Royal Farm's new Scrapple breakfast sandwiches. For just $2.89, you can get tasty, crispy Scrapple with your choice of cheese and eggs on a biscuit, bagel, bread, or croissant. The new Royal Farms Scrapple breakfast sandwiches. Just $2.89 at Royal Farms. Real fresh, real fast. Wrestling fans, it's time for WrestleCrate. WrestleCrate is a pro wrestling themed mystery package that appears in your mailbox every month with action figures, pop vinyls, DVDs, wrestling books, fat heads, and much, much more. Plans start at only $15 a month and every crate contains a t-shirt from ProWrestlingTees.com or BarbershopWindow.com. Those t-shirts are $19.99 by themselves. Check them out at WrestleCrate.com and follow them on Twitter at WrestleCrates and search WrestleCrate on Facebook. Just wait for it. Ah. 
Oh my god, I hate so much for every single one of you, as we talked about last week, that has ever suggested that The Undertaker go back to the biker theme. Anything that involved Limp Biscuit or Kid Rock, you do not think of in any way nostalgically. You do not want that back. You want to what burn about it and pretend like it never <laughs> happened. More than any of it. You want to burn it. And pretend like it was never a thing. Oh, you, you didn't approve of the uh, red baseball cap trend? Oh, <laughs> Jesus. We should all be ashamed of ourselves that that was ever in existence in our history. I mean, you can and, and that. When, we look back, when we look back, Donald Trump wants to make America great again, right? This is proof that America <laughs> has never been great. But, I mean, come on. That was one of the all-time great mashup themes in uh, WWE history, oh, right? Oh, my. That was terrible. You know who had a really good mashup? Who did they have Big Show paired with a couple of years ago? They did a really good mashup. Jericho. Was that what it was? It might have the, been. The Jarrah Show. Or was it Miz and Big... No. no I, I think, think it was Jarrah Show. I think it was Jarrah Show. I think you're yeah. right about that. And it was a really good combination yeah. of their two theme songs. Actually, on the indie circuit, uh, Grado, who's a wrestler for TNA, does the all, does an all-time great mashup right now where it's the, the beginning of the Goldberg theme. He's a comedy wrestler. Okay. Which then transitions to uh, Like a Prayer by Madonna. And it's just the all-time greatest thing ever. All right. I mean, I can, uh, I can get behind that. Yes. All right, so it is Jobbing Out, segment number two. Glenn Clark alongside Aaron Oster of the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. Let's uh, update everyone on what's going on in the Fantasy League where the injury to uh, Nikki Bella has really hurt my chances of making up the, the ground necessary in order to overtake Aaron and win the league. Yeah, I got a little bit more, because partially due and mainly really due to the New Day uh, winning uh, their match on Raw. I've extended my lead to 87 points now. Well, I had to. I had to get desperate and go waiver wire. I mean, I I went and grabbed like Darren Young. I had to get somebody that would that at least give me a chance to have some matches because of uh, uh, Nikki no longer being a part of television. And my options were very like I could go with somebody on NXT, but NXT they only have one show a week, whereas and probably aren't going to be at Survivor Series, which is where the big points are going to correct. come. Correct. So, so I didn't have a lot of options as to who I could grab. Darren Young was like the best of the bunch, um, so I grabbed him. And I didn't realize someone had had Jimmy Uso on their team this entire time. Because I yeah, went, yeah, I, saw I went that. and looked that up. I was like, oh, Jey Uso. Well, I it. saw that somebody had been picked up. Right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Somebody picked up Jey Uso, and I was like, well, I'll just grab the other one. And then but turns someone out, had Adam the entire time, unavailable. Okay. Um. So yeah, so that's what's going on. What do people need to know about Fantasizer? Uh, Fantasizer is absolutely great. Great site has fantasy leagues for just about everything you can ever think of. Uh, MTV The Challenge is the latest thing they've just put up. So they've put up leagues for that season. They're opening that up. Right now, and you know, you go there, you sign up, can be pub- public or private leagues. Go check it out. Very good. Fantasizer.com. We've enjoyed the fantasy WWE league, and we're going to do it again in uh, the spring. I think it's the plan. Yeah, I've, I've already started to talk to him about it. Make right. change, you know, what changes we want to make, what, who we want to make sure is in the roster so we don't have situations come up like this. The time. crooked commissioner. Who's well, gonna hey. win, who's going to win the league based on his own crookedness? I mean, we'll put an asterisk next to you. It's fine. I have no problem with that. That's I, what it is. I picked up Bubba Ray Dudley, right? And he, I, like, I lost know. constantly throughout. Well, that's fine. He still got matches. He was still on television. Hey, Meanwhile, he, the rest I, of us were having to carry guys that weren't on television. I, I didn't see you complaining that Brian Powell was the first one to get Del Rio. When oh, he Brian was Powell's crooked, too. You're all crooked. Everyone's crooked. Because Everybody's <laughs> crooked. Okay. Because nobody, nobody says, hey, here's when these guys are going to become available. Ollie Ollie Oxenfree. 
Got to get that organized. I blame the commissioner. Such a millennial. You want everything handed to you. No, no, no. I don't want to. I, if I did not get the first waiver claim on that guy, then I don't get that guy. It's fine. I'll live with it. But at least it should be fair to everyone. It is fair. Whoever sees it first gets it. <laughs> that's, for, that's the fairest way. What's, what's the golden rule? <laughs> he has the gold, makes the rules. It's not gay if it's not in a three-way. Wait, if it's not gay if it's in a three-way, is that what the golden rule is? From, and you remember from Saturday Night Live? Sure. Lady Gaga and Justin yeah. Timberlake? Okay. You don't remember that? I do remember right. it. I just wanted to give you some crap Goodness about sakes. it. All right. Uh, so, yeah, we played the, the music of the Brothers of Destruction. Like, you think that... Here's what I really want to know. Does it bother Mark Calloway that he used Limp Bizkit songs and Kid Rock songs as entrance music? You know, or I think he likes them. Th- th- I'm really worried about that. Yeah, like, what I'm really I worried really... about is that he's still – because didn't we hear that like Fred Durst went on stage like yeah, a year ago? Yeah, he's and, like, buddy with Fred. Right? Oh, God. Oh. Oh. We, this should not be allowed to be public knowledge, right? Like, he should never take a picture around Fred. When, when they do the uh, Hall of Fame induction, should he come out to Olympus? Oh, God. Have Fred Durst induct him. Uh, oh. <laughs> so we have this, uh, this moment at the end of Raw on Monday night where the Wyatt family is uh, eulogizing yes. uh, Kane and Undertaker, and sure enough, that moment is ruined. Yes, by the, the lightning and thunder and... Fire that Bray Wyatt supposedly uh, had stolen from Kane and Undertaker. That's what I thought. Striking and then it was a cool video. I like the little warpy. I like how Kane and Undertaker have their own production team apparently to put it up on the Tron and it was very cool. <laughs> and then they, you know, basically laid the Wyatt family to waste. Now, we raved about this segment last week. We, you know, we talked about how the commitment was great and, you know, even it if it was campy, it was. It was... E- even if it was ridiculous, it was. It was fun. It was WWE ridiculous. Yeah. It was that was what you want. Yes. You want WWE ridiculous. Yes. But now all of a sudden it's ridiculous and illogical because how does he have powers if he didn't steal them from Kane and Undertaker? You are more concerned about that than I think most people are. Well, probably, but I, I also, you know, it that it's part, a small thing and I agree that they should it, do that better, right? It's it's not logical. And then the other thing, which is the far bigger problem here, you had Kane and Undertaker come out Take on all four members of the Wyatt family and lay them to waste. The only person who ended up mildly on their feet was Braun Strowman, but even Bray got destroyed. If this is what you're setting up for Survivor Series... And why do they need any more partners? Well, yeah, I mean, they why wouldn't it be a four-on-two? And, and why would we believe the Wyatt family can win? Uh, all good questions. Now... You, again, you can use the element of surprise as part of it, right? Like, if it was a fair fight, if we knew... A fair two-on-four fight? <laughs> Listen, Aaron, you use the element... They, they, they can say they essentially got jumped, right? Like, and, well, and yes, I get it, there's four... They get jumped, because Aaron, Bray... Aaron, I know that, <laughs> but you suspend your logic for a second. Fine. The element of surprise caught up with them, and that's how it is that the Brothers of Destruction managed to get over on them in that moment. Perhaps Bray Wyatt was unaware that somehow the Canaan Undertaker still had the powers, that he thought they were powerless. And so, you know, he, he, he took them lightly. Something along those lines. I don't know. If you really felt like describing it and explaining it, you probably could. My gut is they're never going to do that yeah. now. Um, what it moves us forward to is we still don't really know what they're doing with this going to Survivor Series. Is it going to be a Survivor Series match? I think it's, it's going to be a tag match. Just Bray and, and Strowman. Strowman against the two of them. Yeah. Then 
Yeah, exactly. It just comes off kind of pointless to me, right? Like, well, that wouldn't be pointless if that was the big, you know, the big moment for the Brothers of Destruction to get over on the Wyatts. But we now have had that moment. The the Brothers of Destruction just got over on the Wyatts. Right. Why do they? What more do they need to prove by having a match? Right. Now? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. It's like you could have done it in a very simple way. You have them come out. You have, uh, you know. You, you sacrifice Rowan and Harper, and they're the ones who get destroyed, but Bray and Strowman end up kind of escaping more or less unhurt. You know, you do that, and then all of a sudden, okay, sure, it's, the match still makes sense, and it doesn't look like The Undertaker and Kane can destroy the entire family at once. It's a very simple way to do it that they yeah. just didn't do. I, but, and again, we don't really have an explanation. Did, did they escape? Right. Where, did, yeah. did, I, I thought they were Bray, suppo- <laughs> they were kidnapped. Did right. Bray release them? Did they use these powers that Bray apparently had stolen from them? Does Bray like, actually have those powers, or like, are you going to explain it the, that they were special effects? There is some element, and the problem is because it's Kane and the Undertaker, and because all these people are so damn weird. Like you don't really ever get an explanation, and we're kind of going to have to live with we're not going to ever get an explanation. These aren't people that have conversations. These aren't people that explain their actions. These are people that are are all damn nuts, right? Like so, I, but you can have logic within the craziness. I, I you can, but with these particular characters, have they ever? You know, they they've tried to. What, at have times, they? At times they have. At times they have. At times it's made a little bit more sense, and it didn't seem like they were directly contradicting themselves from one week to another. Okay. Which I feel like they kind of did here. I would tend to agree with that they did, but I also would tend to agree with the idea that because of the absurdity of these particular characters, that they can get away with a little bit of that. That at the end of the day, all we really want is Undertaker and Kane teaming together right. again and that's to be what... the Brothers of Destruction. Give us a match. Give us a chance. You know what I mean? Like a, a, a big moment. Right. And, and we'll get that. I'm not saying that's what I want, but I think that's what the typical no, and, WWE fan and wants. I, that's what I got on Twitter when I kind of was like, wait a second. Right. How did Bray get his powers? People were like, like we got Kane Shut and up, Taker. Kane and Taker. Right. Yes, exactly. exactly. So, you know, yes, as, as I, I think I tweeted this out, that was a really cool segment it made absolutely no sense. Yeah. In any, in any, both from a kayfabe standpoint, how this happened, and from a where do we go from here I'm normally standpoint. not the one to defend this type of thing, but I can't believe I'm about to do it. I think based on their history, the history of Kane and The Undertaker, I, I think that you can come to expect this, that you don't fully understand exactly what they're doing. I, I, I'm not really defending it either, because I'm not defending anything that involves having The Undertaker wrestle in 2015. I don't want that. But I think that based on their history, you don't really need the holes to be filled in. I think that there can be some element of it's The Undertaker and Kane. You have no idea. You're not going to know. We're not going to tell you. And that's not that different than anything else they've ever done before. So I, I'm more interested. You're right. Undertaker and Kane, I don't think you need much of an explanation explanation for i think you do need an explanation for bray yeah kind of i mean i i think it'd be weird next week if he goes back to trying to say well i still have your power you know i mean right and that's the is that what we're going to do are we going to say like he took what you need even but i think that with bray wyatt because he's such a bizarre prophet or whatever the hell it is that he's supposed to be the first time he showed true supernatural powers right but my, my thought being that because of his bizarre prophet existence that he can even get away with some level of well, it was a metaphor. You know what I mean? Like, this but it was wasn't a, a metaphor. We saw the lightning strike. We didn't really. We all knew we were inside an arena, Aaron. 
Yeah, I know. No, I'm sorry. no, you can't. No, you can't say that. You can't say. But I think we can get away with the idea that he was using it as a metaphor that I'm now the most powerful and I'm now the most that he wasn't actually controlling the See, lightning. I, I, and the, the, I, I feel like this is Drax. That's not a metaphor. <laughs> I'm not talking to Drax here. Nothing would go over my head. I would catch it. Finger to the throat does not mean death. <laughs> All right, what else do we need to talk about for Monday night? Um, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the new it, day. By the way, do we want more of The Undertaker? Here's my question. For the people that want The Undertaker and Kane, because, again, I'm not in that boat, and I, I don't know where you are exactly with it. I'm kind of in between. I, 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 I like it if it's used well. But do we want more of it after? Do we want one match, or do we want them to do this until WrestleMania? I'm a, I wouldn't mind a couple Brother of Destruction. But, but, so then what would the next one be? Like, and that's would, the question. That's the, my, my issue here is if you just do a two-on-two match at Survivor Series, to me, it's got to end there. There's nowhere else for it to go. There's no next step for the two of them. They're not going to get a, a run with the belts. Who cares? You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't do anything for anyone. I, there's there's – what else do you do? I think it's got to be a one-time deal. It, it, it really depends – if these rumors are true about it, I think we're going to get to that a little bit later in the show, the uh, WrestleMania rumors yeah, okay. regarding The Undertaker. Okay. And depending on where they go from there is kind of where – Okay. Uh, how you use them. Um, next. Uh, I mean I love the New Day's promo again. It well, of was course. tremendous. Yeah. And I, I love the guys dressed as unicorns right. and doing the millions of dollar dance. Right. And, uh, I love the fact that you know they actually – it was logical. They came on. They're like, "Why aren't we in the tournament?" Right. So that's a perfectly logical. It's a rational. You know, if they didn't say anything, it would have been weird. Yes, it would have been weird. It's still weird that they weren't in the tournament, right. considering how many guys got in to just be tossed back exactly. out. Exactly. Um, it's it's still weird that they weren't involved with the tournament. Again, why have this thing is supposed to benefit people? And but but does it benefit Big E to go in just to lose in the first I round? I don't – but does he have to go in and just lose in the first round? Yeah. Why? Who's it going to be? I mean he doesn't – no, he doesn't have to. But thinking like – I'm he, not saying that they're going to get to the final four. Right. But thinking just um, if they were going to – I guess if you redid the entire bracket, yes, you yes. could do it. Yeah. Right. If you, if you redid the entire bracket, I'll say, you know, like pull out Kalisto, put in Big E there, then that doesn't make sense. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there are plenty of things that you can do right. to involve – these are three of the most important people you have on your television show. Use them. Use them. And so I keep coming back to this smells of – we don't really want to mess around with all of the other things that we have been planning and preparing for Survivor Series. So we're just going to throw in a handful of people that can can, right. can get us to our ultimate end. Yep. We're, that's well, and the other thing is, it seems like based on their match, based on the fact that they took on the Usos and Neville, that this seems like the beginning of a Survivor Series so match. You, you think it's the three of them with? Uh, I think if I was if I was to book from here, yeah, I would say it's the New Day. Stardust and the Ascension? No, 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 no. no. Uh, is the New Day, Stardust, and who am I missing here? Wade Barrett? No, and uh, Dolph and uh, Tyler Breeze oh. against the Usos, Neville, uh, Dolph, and Cesaro. Okay, all that sounds like ter- a terrible use of the most important, some of the most important guys on your card, just for the sake of having a Survivor Series match at Survivor Series. Probably, but. 
you know, that's what a Survivor Series match is. I, I, yeah. I, again, it comes back to why I said a long time ago, it's been time to blow up Survivor I, Series. I don't disagree with you matches at all. Matches for the sake of matches don't work for me. I agree with the, you. The New Day is the best thing you have on your wrestling show. Make it the best thing you have on your wrestling show. Well, a pointless but, match involving people you don't care about is not the best way to use one of the best things well, on your fair, wrestling show. Everyone cares about most of the few, like the, the, even though the Dolph Tyler feud hasn't really done... It's, it hasn't gone anywhere. It hasn't gone anywhere, but it's still, you know, when Tyler comes out, that's still one of the more interesting things, and, and you know, it hasn't gone no anywhere one because cares about Stardust. Shows. No one cares about Stardust. Uh, no, but people care about Cesaro. Uh, okay, fine. People care about Cesaro. All of these things would be far more interesting if they were logical conclusions to... Of course. No one cares about... We, we see this. We get this match on Raw or SmackDown every week. The throw the faces in one on one team, throw the heels on one team. It's not some amazing thing to see a I'm group not disagreeing of with you four or five faces on the same team together because we always see it. Survivor Series is done. It's over. Either you have to be far better in your writing. I understand. I'm going to challenge this the same way I'm going to challenge him about the use of tournaments. It is really, really hard because anything can happen on one day and you can have a wrestler get hurt. All this... These months that you spent leading up to it can screw everything up. But either you commit to making it matter, or you just get rid of it. Yep. Because it's it it's not. I, I think this is a, I, I think this is a Vince thing. It's a Vince pride thing. Survivor Series was one of his babies. It was one of the things that really got WWE over. So he doesn't want to just throw then Vince it out. should challenge the people he has working I, for him I, to make it I to don't make it something that but matters. But I, I think that the people who work for him are on the side of we want to get rid of this thing because it makes no sense in today's day. It, it makes the, the way you're doing it makes no sense. You can make it make sense. You know, I don't know if there is a way to make no, it. No, there is. There's always professional well, wrestling is amazing cuz you can make up a reason why you can make this stuff make sense. Right. You can make up any reason at all. You know how you could have handled Survivor Series this year? You could have put a team of 5 people together on one side, a team of 5 people on the other side and said whichever or team of 4 whatever it is, whichever of you win, the 4 of you now advance to the a fatal four-way for the WWE Championship. Okay. How interesting would that have been? Yeah. You now, you, you could have done a draft, right? You could have named team captains. You get to pick your team, and now you're strategizing who helps you win a match versus who do you want to face in a championship right, exactly. match. Yeah. There is so much interesting yep. that could have happened out of that after Seth Rollins got hurt. Yep. You still could have made a Survivor Series match that mattered, that worked, and yet at the same time led you to the ultimate conclusion. It only takes... How, I came up with that in five seconds. Yep. Sitting here. Yep. I came up with that as we were talking about it. And it's a logical Survivor Series match. It's it's perfect. Yep. But yet, they can't do it with a team of writers to make Survivor Series matches that matter. So you do one of the other things, one of two things. You challenge people to be creative, to come up with interesting ideas, to make in it this one falls into your lap, right? You can you've got from September on to figure out a way right. or August, whenever a SummerSlam is, to figure out a way to make Survivor Series count. Whatever that means. Power in the company as they did last year, um, you know, a chance at a future championship. Whatever you've got to do, you can figure out ways to make Survivor Series matches relevant beyond let's just throw a bunch of faces on one side and a bunch of heels on the other side. And and the other thing is it seemed like they were setting up for some Rational Survivor Series matches, especially in well, the... It seemed like they were setting up for one. What else did they seem like they were setting up besides the Wyatts and... and well, if, if you had gone back to Survivor Series, it seemed like a good chunk of the mid to lower mid card were kind of involved in the Stardust-Neville feud. With, you know, kind of the heroes versus villains feud. Where it would have made sense to do a four-on-four four or five-on-five at Survivor Series because there was so much 
interconnection there that it wasn't just, okay, we're putting a bunch of faces here against a bunch of heels where it was just, okay, this guy's feuding with this guy, but he's also feuding right, with him and right. he's partnered with him. It seemed like they could have very easily done that kind of heroes versus villains. Could have even brought Stephen Amell back if you really wanted to well, and they've, involved. They've, they've struggled with a lack of factions. A, a year ago, you had an authority. You know what I mean? Right. Like Even earlier this year, there was an authority. But you then you just get rid of the authority. There is no authority. So how does it make sense to put together a faction match? Right. It it makes all the sense in the world to have the authority face whoever. That you can put together a random group of faces the way you did a year ago to face the authority if there's something that they're they're fighting against. Right. If there's some common reason why all these people you're aligning the new day with other heels for what reason? For no reason. What reason do the new day, the hottest thing in the company, the guys that in other weeks have been beating up your biggest stars, what why do they give a shit about Dolph Ziggler and Tyler Breeze? They don't. That's the problem. Right, exactly. Which is why I said it, you know, that if you were going to do it, that lower mid-core match where it did seem like everyone was feuding with everybody right. else and, right. you know, Gen- had common Genuine friends. reason not to like each other. Right. That would have made sense. This, not so much. It's just, it's so, it, it is not hard. It, it, I know, uh, God, I, I think I just contradicted myself because I said at the beginning of this conversation, it is hard. It is hard because you start planning something and you run the risk of it blowing up in your face three weeks before it, it, it comes to fruition. That is hard. A guy can walk out of the company. You, you know, you make a plan for everything and all of a sudden CM Punk quits, right? Right. Like, the, things can happen that really screw with you and require extra work. But you're paying a lot of people a lot of money to be able to figure out a way to make it work. Yep. And instead, this is just the laziest shit to make this, hey, it's Survivor Series. We gave you a Survivor Series That's match. what Survivor Series has been for the past decade. I, it, it, I know. It, I, I don't I it, don't disagree with the word you said. It but doesn't have to be. I know. But it is. I, and I think that's why it pisses us off so much, is that we all can sit here and they can make a real, well, here's why you can't do that. It, it's not why you can't do it. You're just not. Y- you can do this and it can work and it can be fun. And Survivor Series could be a relevant part of the calendar every year. But if it's not, don't insult us. And really, don't insult your own talent. And don't, this is a worse way to use the New Day than just having them have another title match. It's far better for them if they just had another title match oh, yeah. and a very oh, logical and, and it's feud. It's better for Dolph and Tyler to have a singles you, match you than you Stardust are hurt, and Cesaro. You are hurting all of those yep. individuals yep. by forcing them into this thing that is nobody gives a crap about. Yep. But here's the here's the other side to that. By doing this, they can now stretch it out farther because I, you I didn't mean, have those singles I, matches. And I'm not saying that's a good reason. They were going to stretch it out either way. Probably. Aaron, have you have you been paying attention? Probably. They're going to stretch all these things out for four months, no matter how yep. many. It, this is the way it works anymore. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yep. Uh, anything else from Monday? Uh, I like the way they've been using the diva again. I mean, another another solid week from the divas. I mean, there was a little bit more of the team stuff being thrown around well, but this because week. There, there is still one team there, and that's Team Bad hasn't completely broken up. And but they're they're teasing the dissension there. But it makes sense that they're not just throwing I, that up. I, I don't know that I like Sasha kind of getting taking a loss to Natty. Well, like, Sasha didn't. Naomi took the Naomi loss. took the loss, right? Okay. And Sasha and, just and Sasha tried to get involved. In that's Natty right. That's right. That's bit. right. Yeah. Okay. And then All they right. they beat her up at the end, which uh, yeah, they end up coming out on top again. You still haven't really solved any reason why these three women should care about each other. No, You've but never... you're you're. But you know what? I appreciate the fact that they're not just saying, "Okay, you're apart now." I appreciate that because if you're going to do something stupid. Write your way out of it. And we, we always say that they're not doing it. You know, it's so simple. Right, to write. Right. They're writing their way out of it. They're not just saying, okay, we're, okay, we're going I, to. I hear you. I appreciate on that. that. And I wouldn't have a problem with, like, uh, recognizing the fact that Naomi and Tamina are family. 
You know what I mean? Like, right. There's nothing wrong with with coming up with a logical reason why the two of them should care about each other and should be sort of helping well, they each were, other. They were already together. You know, they had been together since April. That's, uh, but never really gave them a reason to have been together. Right. You know what I mean? Like, well, they never really gave to me to be be with AJ either. But I guess that's true. She, I mean, she's yeah. just muscle. I feel like when when you have random muscle come out, you don't. Yeah, need right. But they haven't even really addressed that. Like, they well, just, but you don't need to. I feel with muscle, it's just like okay. So you. But they you haven't have really used Tamina that way necessarily. Oh yeah, they have. I guess. Yeah, they have. She's always been the. She barely. I think with AJ, but I don't think it's been. I don't think they've really done that. Like, uh, hey, you, there's never done it. This is such a simplistic thing. You got our backs, right? Like that's the way that you use someone as muscle. Is you address the fact that that's what they're there for, and I don't think they've done that at all. Uh, with I think they have, and, but I think it's kind of just been lost in the nonsense in the yeah, division it's, a little bit. It, it, look, I, I I said last week, you you fucked it up, fix it, make it good, because I really liked it last week. I liked it this week. I can like it again. I like these individual performers. I think they got a lot to do. You just got to give them the opportunity to. Right. Um, but yeah, I liked that match, and I thought the Becky Page match was very solid. And again, the pre-match promos. Page's were, promo was really yeah, good. The pre-match promos were great, and you know, finally, we're giving them motivations. It's something we haven't seen in so long. Exactly. Basic motivations, and basic motivations beyond just being catty. Like all of it is suddenly making sense. And you know, we got through the nonsense of the trios teams, and it seems like all of a sudden, hey. When they started telling us about this Divas Revolution, this is what it was. Right. Some solid matches, some solid storytelling. You can have multiple ma- Divas it, matches in the same it night. It looks and like it. the rest of the wrestling that right. we like. Exactly. It's a crazy thought. It's it's almost like women are people too. Amazing, isn't it? That all you got to do is do the same stuff with them that we like that you do with the male. Because there's a lot of shit that you do with them that right. we don't like either. But do the stuff that we like that you do with right. them. Simple storylines, simple concepts. It ain't and good wrestling. Those, you know, none of those matches were long. They were both, you know, five, seven minute matches somewhere. It wasn't like you needed a, a 12, 15 minute showcase match. Right. It was just a basic match that told a story. And that's how NXT and the women on NXT got over. You didn't always have these 30 minute main event matches. You had these five minute matches that did a lot of storytelling. Exactly right. They told a story. They were logical. They made sense and they had good wrestling. Yep. All of that we like. And Give that's, us all. What, that's what we saw the Male, weeks. female, some combination of the two, dog. I don't care what it is. <laughs> Give me that and I'm probably going to like it and probably going to watch it. All right. We ready? Uh, I, I do want to shout out to the little kid who was screaming oh, at yeah, Tyler Breeze. I, I was, I was all about that kid. And I also, the one thing that was kind of funny about Monday is how many matches ended up in roll-ups. I think there were seven matches and five of them ended huh, in a roll-up. That's interesting. It, it was just, it was. Oh, oh uh, you want to talk about Wayne Rooney real quick? Oh yeah, Wayne Rooney. Uh, that was interesting. I wonder if it's going to go somewhere. I doubt it will. I really doubt it will. Because I, I don't think it played. I just don't. I think they want it to play in the States. And I'm not saying that nobody in the States cares about soccer and nobody cares about Wayne Rooney because there are plenty of people that do. But I don't think there's enough crossover between no. WWE fans and, and soccer, soccer fans, fans for it to continue in the States. No, but uh, in the UK right oh, now, I get it, it, right. it's you know, the front page story Wayne of everything. Ro- Wayne Rooney is a superstar. I, yeah. I, I completely understand right. that. I thought it was great for the WWE. They could accomplish what they wanted it to accomplish. I yep. just don't. I, think I mean, that, and, and I don't think that. You I know. think if you tried to pull that off in in Los Angeles, people would be like, "What? What, what are we? What is this? Right? You know, exactly. like, why do I care? No, I, I don't think. But it's interesting to 
it was interesting to see him, you know, get physically involved like yeah, that. And... I think it was cool. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I just think it was cool. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, I think there are a lot of athletes that would love to do something like that. They just can't because of their contracts. I think there are yep. plenty of athletes that if you said, dude, you can go take a bump in the ring, they would be, wet. sign me the F up. Right. Please let me go do that. But, you know, their contracts prohibit them from doing that type of stuff, despite the fact that they're out doing, like, mixed martial arts when they train and, right. you know, climbing mountains and stuff along yeah, those like, lines. Like when Pac-Man Jones was suspended and wasn't allowed to even step in the ring in TNA, despite being tag team champion. <laughs> okay, well, they got creative. <laughs> they they Bart got Scott, really remember, Bart Scott was on TNA? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's grab a break. When we come back in, a Hall of Famer, Tully Blanchard, four horsemen getting back together this weekend in Maryland, where we are, and we're going to talk to Tully about that, as well as all things going on in the world of professional wrestling, including his daughter, who, uh, much like uh, Ric Flair's daughter, is moving up in uh, her own world in professional wrestling. We'll talk about that next with Tully Blanchard. It's jobbing out. If you're like most folks, you drop by your local Royal Farm store for a fast, fresh, delicious breakfast sandwich on your way to wherever it is you're on your way to. But maybe you're ready for Royal Farm's new Scrapple breakfast sandwiches. For just $2.89, you can get tasty, crispy Scrapple with your choice of cheese and eggs on a biscuit, bagel, bread, or croissant. The new Royal Farms Scrapple Breakfast Sandwiches. Just $2.89 at Royal Farms. Real fresh, real fast. Are you a believer in the Retriever? The UMBC sports marketing team is proud to support UMBC athletics through marketing and promoting the UMBC Division I game day experience with giveaways, in-game entertainment, and much, much more. Tickets for Retriever action starts as low as $2. Follow UMBC sports on Instagram at Retriever Believer and on Twitter at UMBC Sports Marketing for all your promotional updates of the Retrievers. For a complete schedule of UMBC athletics, visit UMBCRetrievers.com. The UMBC sports marketing staff looks forward to seeing you as a Retriever believer at the games. At Smythe Jewelers, we celebrate how big love can be. When your love for her is so big that you can't even begin to describe it, there's only one thing to do. Take her to Smythe Jewelers, the biggest jewelry store on the East Coast. At Smythe, you'll find the biggest selection and the biggest savings. Because at Smythe, we work directly with the diamond cutters. So we can help you find a diamond that's as big as your love. And that's why Smythe is where Marilyn gets engaged. Smythe Jewelers in Timonium, Ellicott City, and Annapolis. Wrestling fans, it's time for WrestleCrate. WrestleCrate is a pro-wrestling-themed mystery package that appears in your mailbox every month with action figures, pop vinyls, DVDs, wrestling books, fatheads, and much, much more. Plans start at only $15 a month, and every crate contains a T-shirt from ProWrestlingTees.com or BarbershopWindow.com. Those T-shirts are $19.99 by themselves. Check them out at WrestleCrate.com and follow them on Twitter, at WrestleCrates, and search WrestleCrate on Facebook. 
boxing fans, this is Jake the Snake Smith of Baltimore Boxing. Our next boxing event is going to be Turkey Day Eve. That's November 25th. That's a Wednesday at Michael's 8th Avenue in Glen Burnie, Maryland. We're going to knock the stuffing out of the other opponents that night. Website is BaltimoreBoxing.com. That's BaltimoreBoxing.com. You can get your tickets there or you can call 410-375-9175. Tickets are $25 in advance, 30 at the door, $35 for reserved tickets, $350 for reserved tables, and $500 for VIP tables, and $50 for VIP seats. VIP comes with hors d'oeuvres an hour before the event starts. That's from 7 to 8. Turkey Day Eve is the biggest night out. What a better way to spend it by watching the stuffings getting knocked out. And ladies and gentlemen, Mike Dietrich was one of my favorite boxers that I had throughout the years who passed away. And every year, he used to do a canned food drive. So this is it. This is the Mike Dietrich canned food drive. So please bring a can of food to feed the homeless. Thank you. Never gets old, does it? Back in here, segment number three of Jobbing Out. Glenn Clark alongside Aaron Oster of the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. And what an honor it is now to be joined by a Hall of Famer, a member of the legendary Four Horsemen, and a man who's coming back to this area this weekend for an appearance with Maryland Championship Wrestling. You know how much we love them. The Rise of the Four Horsemen at the MCW Arena in Joppa on Saturday night. He is the great Tully Blanchard, and he joins us now. Tully, it's Glenn and Aaron. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. Uh, it's great to be here with you guys. Uh, I tell you, there are so many memories. You start talking about Baltimore and the four horsemen and the, and, uh, the memories there, and uh, oh, my. Yeah, I was going to say, is there anybody that, like, uh, you guys don't have any, like, legal issues when you come back into Baltimore, do you? There's, nobody's going to get in trouble. Nobody, the cops aren't after anybody, are they? Uh, uh, I think the statute of limitations is, is <laughs> not in there. Hey, what's it like? What's it like? And I know it's not, obviously it's not everybody that gets back together, but what's it like when just, like, a, a few of you guys are able to get back together when it's you and... And, and Rick and JJ this weekend, what's it like for you guys? Well, I've I probably, probably got together more with, with JJ at uh, some of these uh, appearances and stuff. And, and JJ's just a, just a great guy. He was great in the business and been great after the business. Uh, I've only been around Rick probably in the last 25 years, probably three or four times, a couple of times with the WWE, one when he retired, then one with the Hall of Fame induction, and one other appearance at the the WWE thing, and, uh, you know, our lives, when, when God took me a different path, it really took me a different path, and so I didn't get to hang with the guys much, uh, after that, and didn't go back to WCW, and uh, so I missed a lot of the hanging out. So it'll be it'll be a little bit interesting, and um, you know it's uh, this will be the first time I've seen Flair since uh, the tragedy of uh, him losing his son, uh, and uh, so 
you know, I don't know if that will be a topic or, or anything, but uh, anyway, it'll be interesting for sure. When, when you guys do get together, when you do have the opportunities and you're reminiscing, do you reminisce more about what you guys did in the ring for shows or do you reminisce about what you guys did on the road <laughs> and out at bars and stuff? <laughs> um, I think the reminiscing is probably more exterior from the arena. <laughs> And, oh, God, did you think about that finish in such and such? You know, that, that's not really the dialogue. <laughs> All right, so so what's the what's the story? Like, what's the one? Whenever, whenever anyone asks you, what's your greatest being out story? Like, going out with the Four Horsemen or, or anything from, from your era, what's the story you tell them? Um, there's probably... Probably one of the most enjoyable places that we ever went was Baltimore. And I can't think of what the Italian restaurant, but it Sa- was straight Sabatino's. Down. Definitely Sabatino's. Sabatino's. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, we would look forward to that for a week. So, I mean, it wasn't a big, wild party because we stayed in the Marriott across the street from the arena. So it was hard to get to the arena. It was, it was Baltimore... You know, I mean, it was definitely a non-Four uh, Horsemen town. And uh, so as we would plan for the week and what you were going to do and stuff, you know, Sabatino's was was very, very high on our list of priorities. <laughs> and uh, it was, you know, when you were wrestling every night someplace, you know, I mean, there were nights that, there were certain lounges. How do we lose him? Are you there, Tully? Hey, Tully, can you hear us? We lost you there in the middle of that. Yeah, just had a tiny little... There, we, we good? Yeah, we're good. Yeah. We, you were just in the middle of talking about going from town to town. Yeah, and, you know, so, I mean, it was kind of... You know, Philadelphia was, was fun because the hotel bar was really happening there at the Marriott. And uh, the Marriott in Baltimore, I mean, we didn't really hang there because we went to Sabatino <laughs> and invited a select few people to go with us. And, uh, you know, that was an every trip to Baltimore thing. So, you know, and then, then when Arn and I came back back to the Baltimore area and we were with the WWF, you know, we were down the road. And then some of our fans from, uh, from the past would come down there. And, you know, so it was a different hotel and a different airport. Absolutely. Uh, when you guys were wrestling, when you guys were doing your Four Horsemen thing, did you realize exactly how big the Four Horsemen would be that 30 years later we're talking about the Four Horsemen as the greatest stable of all time and the stable that people try to emulate? Did you get any sort of inkling of that? Um, when, when it was going on, I think that you, you you really couldn't get a get an idea of it 
except it was probably the first time in the in the history of the business that the company was sold out every night for two or three years. Hmm. I cannot remember wrestling in a non-sold-out building. Hmm. But I was I was on my way to the airport in Charlotte, North Carolina, in the midst of all this stuff, and uh, I pulled up behind a school bus that was full of students. And I had, uh, I was actually married at that time and had my wife with me. She was not going to drop me off at the plane and then go home. And somebody in a school bus on the back road turned around and recognized me and announced that on the school bus. And I saw about 50 hands sticking out the windows holding up four fingers. That's awesome. And... It hit me at that moment that this thing was bigger than just wrestling fans. Right, right. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I have been around a lot of superstars in this business and never had that happen. And there were bigger stars in the business than I was. But, you know, that just lets you know how big the four horsemen uh, trend just think if we had Twitter back in those days. Tully Blanchard is with us here on Jobbing Out. He's going to be here Saturday night in Joppa at MCW Arena, the Rise of the Four Horsemen, an awesome opportunity to be joined by Ric Flair and J.J. Dillon, and even Baby Doll will be there on Saturday night. Very cool, as will, and we want to make sure we ask Tully about, uh, your daughter, Tessa Blanchard, who will be there as well. Um, Tully, how, how much did you encourage Tessa to consider the pursuit of her own professional wrestling career and and how much of you you know how much does it does it mean to you to have an opportunity to you know to be involved with events with your daughter at this point in your life um the the craziness that divorce causes uh tessa was four years old when uh her mother and i separated and uh you know, so I'd have to try to keep a relationship with my four children through monthly visits when I didn't live in North Carolina or every other week visits when I did live in North Carolina. And, uh, you know, Tessa has asked me two or three times some advice, and I am happy to give her advice. Um, I will not as I did with anybody, but I will not pour into somebody if they don't want it. Yeah. And and I've got to treat her in that fashion. I know that she has sat through a couple of seminars that I've done and uh, said that they were very informative. And I, and I told her, I said, all you have to do is ask me what to do or situation. And I said, I will be happy. And sometimes some promoters come in and Sometimes this, and she calls, and I give her advice. She is doing, uh, she's doing very, very well. Um, and the only, the only thing that I tell her is, as much as she pursues wrestling, that's great, but don't forget your education, hmm. because wrestling careers. My career was only thirteen years. And at the, if, if 
if she gets and has a great career for 10 years, she's going to be 30 years old, <laughs> and then it's going to be looking for a job, but all of a sudden you're not equipped for a job. And so there's enough time pursuing wrestling. If she were to get uh, college online, she would be able to have her degree and be working towards something that 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 transition would be seamless or relatively seamless at the end of the wrestling part to the start of the business part. Does that make sense? No, absolutely it makes sense. I, I think it's really great that it's something that you care so much about because it's funny, before we started the show this week, Aaron and I were talking about how, Tully, it's a little odd right now. It seems like at the highest level, at the WWE, um, male performers don't get their real chance until they're you know, a decade into their career, that they're already at the age of 30. But more and more female performers are getting their chances at incredibly young ages, you know, from, from early 20s into the late teens at this point. And presumably yeah. not something that many of them are thinking about when, when they... You know, the, the camera's thrust in front of them, and they have the opportunity for fame and for stardom. They're probably not thinking at that point about, oh, I better make sure I'm also working towards getting a degree. And, you know, I mean, I was very fortunate. I got my degree before I got in. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, I had that big hurdle that nobody can take away from me. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, it's just... It's just important to be able to take a step back and look at the big picture. And and I, I've always learned from the people that have preceded me. And uh, in the ring work, as well as outside the ring work, you know, who was successful and watched, why were they successful. Uh, now you got to go to seminars and get, you know, five points of successful business. <laughs> and, uh, whatever the case might be. You know, and, and I hope that that Tessa listens, and and not only listens, but then does. And uh, because there's plenty of time, you know, because the, nobody's wrestling seven days a week anymore like we did. And, uh, you know, so there's, there's time to fit classes in and, and uh, learn a trade and learn some skills that, that you can transition into earn a living because earning a living is going to be the same. you got to go out and work to get paid. Hey, Tully, uh, recently there was, um, it's funny, we're talking about uh, your daughter, but uh, obviously Rick's daughter, Charlotte, part of something that's that's really special that has happened in WWE where she's been part of, they're calling it now the Divas Revolution, but they started by calling it the Four Horsewomen. Uh, at NXT, and it was it was obviously based around the fact that it was Rick's daughter Charlotte and Sasha Banks and and Becky Lynch and Bailey. Um, are, are, how comfortable are you when you hear a comparison? When when you hear that sort of attachment for you know a, a group of young performers, knowing just how special what you guys had, how comfortable are you with 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 labeling someone the four horsewomen of wrestling? Um. Yeah. You, you see how well it, it got received by the wrestling fans. They changed the name. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't feel one way or the other. You can't duplicate what we did. Yeah. And the movement. 
because it literally, and I've said this on a, on a hundred different interviews, this was not a group of storyline tellers or bookers sitting in a room going, oh, let's scratch our heads. We want to put four guys together and call them the four horsemen. That is not what happened. And, and when Arn called us, because we had an eight-man tag match against Dusty and the Road Warriors and, and either Nikita or Magnum, um, probably Nikita, because I think that was after Magnum's car wreck. Um, Arn just called us that on, on, tele, on, on an interview that we were the four horsemen. And I was the TV champion, and Flair uh, was the world champion, and him and Ole were the tag team champions. And the wrestling fans caught on to that. And the wrestling fans motivated it more than the promoters. I can remember standing outside the tunnel of the Greensboro Coliseum, and Jim Crockett looked at me and he said, this thing's really getting over. And I just rolled my eyes at him, you know. Like, God, you got to be a freaking idiot not to think this is getting over. <laughs> when the wrestling fans are wearing coats and ties and sunglasses to the arena and buying up sections. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's getting over. Yes. And um, and so, you know, it, it is... Uh, I, I, I don't think you can... I don't think a, a promoting machine can duplicate a movement. They can give it all the time and all the effort, and they have with a jillion different groups of guys and great talented guys. But stand alone, everybody in our group could go out and, and command an arena. And when you put us together, we didn't try to trample on everybody and, and steal and be the big I'm going to be the bigger dog than, than you are. We worked complimentary, and the company and we and everybody around it benefited. That's and a, the wrestling fans benefited most of all. No, it, it's a great point, Tully, and I, I, I think that we've... It, it's not to say there can't be great factions, right? Like, you can, you can put together a, a stable, a faction... And I, right now we're watching a group of three guys on WWE, the New Day, who are just tremendous together. But you got to stand on your own. You, you can't try to to replicate something that happened in the past. You got to do your own um, thing, whatever that is, and and make it work. Exactly. There have been great, great rock and roll bands, but there are only one Beatles. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. You know, there's a name that you've uh, brought up over and over again in your stories, and that's, of course, uh, Dusty Rhodes, who we lost a few months ago. Uh, what was your reaction when you heard about that, and do you have any great just Dusty stories uh, from your time with him? Um, well, I was, I had actually, I was on an airplane when it happened, and I landed in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was getting ready to go to uh Great uh, Price's thing and do a, an interview about uh, uh, some documentary thing that he was he was putting together, and uh, and hearing that Dusty had passed, and you know, and I still don't know if he was sick or 
I, I would think that he had, had something wrong with him uh, because of when they when they took him to the emergency room. The story I got from KJ is that his bodily functions started shutting down, and that would have to be some sort of a uh, cancer or something like that. I'm not putting words in anybody's mouth, but that's just my guessing. And uh, you know, it was just it, it was it was sad. I mean. With our medicine in this country and our knowledge and education that we have available to us, we shouldn't be dying at 68 years old. And, uh, you know, I'll be 62 in January, and uh, the clock doesn't stop. And, uh, and you know, it was just, you, you know, I probably had more matches longer programs with Dusty than anybody in the business. And, because uh, I wrestled him on and off for almost four years. And, uh, you know, from first blood matches to, to, uh, steal baby doll for 30 days matches to, uh, everything else for world TV title, uh, on down there, during those uh, Crockett days, and uh, he was he was a legend. I mean, he he had a he had a uniqueness of being able to get people to buy tickets and believe that when he stood up and was bleeding, that he could whip anybody, and uh, people went crazy to, and paid to see that. And uh, it was a privilege and an honor to be to be the guy in that role that got beat up all the time. That's really neat. I mean, it's, it's 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 really neat to hear you say it that way, and and we think so fondly of Dusty, obviously. Can I, if I can, just tell you, follow up on one thought because it just came to me thinking about your daughter and thinking about Rick's daughter, and what we we're just talking about with this, you know, f- the four horsewoman thing. Would if she gets the opportunity to go on to WWE, would you? be comfortable with them trying to make her work a program with Charlotte and trying to force the issue or would you kind of hope that maybe they would say you know what don't do that to the two of them they don't they don't deserve that they deserve to, to sort of be on their own and not having to be forced to live up to the standards of their fathers um probably you know I mean it's they've got a lot of second generation guys working for the WWE and they all have their own uh, identities, and it's not really a bunch of public stuff of whose son they are or uh, stuff like that. But you know, I mean, it is it's it's part of the baggage that comes of being now third generation. Uh, you know, you can't get away from that yeah. in that business. Yeah. No, it's, it's it's totally understandable. He's, if they uh, think they can sell tickets and if they think they can sit and get people to buy pay per views, right. they're going to go for it. Right, no doubt about that. They'll do anything at that point for the buck. That's the way that it works. Hey, uh, uh, Tully, um, I, I know you're doing something really interesting now with, with your life, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to promote it uh, if you'd want what you're doing going into prisons and trying to help people out. Well, I have... Uh, I've done that for about 20 years, and uh, I'm actually in a transition right now. 
Uh, I may still go speak in some prisons, but I won't be I won't be setting up events and stuff like I like I was. Uh, and uh, I'm going to uh, be involved in the wrestling business to a degree. I think it's okay for me to talk about it. Anyway, since I've already opened up the, the deal, uh, I've been in communication with Shane Douglas and uh, doing a, uh, a thing with uh, uh, Classic Wrestling Revolution. And they have a website and stuff, but it's uh, uh, where I'm going to be one of the coaches. Very cool. And so, so it's going to be pretty interesting making a TV show and, and uh, have other coaches and then have our teams compete against each other and stuff like that. So That's outstanding. That's absolutely it's outstanding. A, very, very cool. New, it's a new concept, I think. And uh, I think that the marketplace would would, uh, would enjoy it and will enjoy it. And uh, so you guys may be the first ones to actually tell about it. Yeah, we, we've heard a little about because we had Road Warrior Animal on a few weeks ago. He mentioned it. You said that there was going to be a TV show involved. Is that already in the works? Because uh, that would be the first that I've heard about a TV aspect of it. I think they're, they're going to have some sort of a reality show of, you know, each team getting getting ready. I mean, the only thing I can, I'm a voice fan, is, <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, we're getting ready for the lives, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, if it's something like that, where you've got some people that, that would learn from, from the uh, from that part of it, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, animals part of it, and I believe Terry Funk and Kevin Sullivan, and uh, uh, I can't remember driving down the road right now what the other names are, but you know, it's it's going to be it's a it's a whole new you know I never would have expected this two months ago, and. Uh, you know, here I am, you know, venturing back into the wrestling world where I started, and uh, I'm excited about it. That's great. That's tremendous. Well, we're really excited about Tully Blanchard and J.J. Dillon and Baby Doll and Ric Flair Saturday night at the MCW Arena in Joppa. Go right now to MarylandWrestling.com to get your tickets. They always put on great shows, and there's reasons why guys like Tully Blanchard and Ric Flair come out to their events because they are uh, the real deal, and you'll find that out if you're there Saturday night. Uh, for the rise of the four horsemen. Tully, an absolute honor, a, a true pleasure to have an opportunity to chat with you today. Thank you so much, and we uh, we hopefully can do this again in the future. Absolutely. I hope I get to see you guys on Saturday. We're planning on it. Yeah, we're going to try to get over and say hello for sure. Fantastic. Thank you, Tully. Thank you.
Thank you, guys. Well, thanks again to uh, Tully Blanchard for hopping on with us. Great conversation with uh, an icon and a huge weekend coming up for Maryland Championship Wrestling. Yeah, we talked, you know, obviously the Rise of the Four Horsemen is the big event this weekend, but they are actually put on two great shows, the one in Joppa on Saturday, also the night before in uh, Waldorf, Maryland. They're putting on another great show. Uh, Tessa is going to be at both nights. Uh, there are a couple of big matches strewn across the weekend. Uh, King Ryan McBride, who we had on a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, the new champ. Facing the uh, Rage TV champ, uh, Brendan Scott, in a champion versus champion match. All right. Uh, Mickey James and Amber Rodriguez are having a Loser Leaves MCW Ooh. match. And uh, Tessa will also face Renee Michelle over the course of the night. A lot of great matches, I know. Uh, Wait, Renee Michelle. Renee Michelle. How about that? All right. And uh, I know... Uh, there's a tag match. The Ectorage, our friend Kevin Eck, yep. is, brings his tag team, puts it up against Fed Up, the reunited Fed Up tag team. You love them. I do love them. They're a great tag team. And uh, just a lot of great matches across both nights. So check it out, MarylandWrestling.com. Very cool. Appreciate them uh, taking care of that. All right. Uh, let's get into our quick count for the week. Three stories we haven't had an opportunity to chat about, but we spend a few time, a few minutes here going over them. For number one, we always allow Aaron to go completely off the reservation. Where are you taking us this week, AO? Yeah, I'm uh, completely nerding out over something across the Pacific out in Japan, and uh, Japan just had their last big show before the big Wrestle Kingdom show at the beginning of January, which is really their biggest show of the year. There, uh, It always happens that first weekend of January. And uh, we knew one of we knew the main event. It was going to be Okada against Tanahashi, a rematch from last year. A little bit of a uh, uh, switch flip though, because Okada is the champion going. That should be another great match. What we didn't know was what the semi main event was going to be. We found that out this weekend, as uh, Nakamura, who, as you know, is one of my favorite guys in the world right now, defended his IC title against uh, Carl Anderson. And at the end of it, AJ Styles grabbed the belt, Ooh. got in his face. And that will be the co-main event of Wrestle Kingdom, Nakamura against AJ Styles, which is a match they've managed to avoid doing up to this point. And basically, you could make the argument, the two best guys who aren't in WWE right now, you could make the argument are Nakamura and AJ Styles. Yeah, so sure. this is a true dream match that we're getting to see for the IC title at Very Wrestle Kingdom. Very cool. So I'm I'm really geeked out about that one. All right, that seems like the type of thing that you'd be geeked out. I about. mean, but I, I get it. Why isn't AJ Styles uh, desirable to the WWE? Is it because he's it? He's just a little bit older. He's, like he's older. Here's the thing. There's a question whether or not he is because they mentioned him on Twitter. WWE specifically mentioned interesting because they did a thing was hey re. Like, can you believe this guy was in WWE and showed AJ St- and specifically said, can you believe AJ Styles is in wasn't or was in WWE at one point and showed right. being a jobber? So the fact that they mentioned him at all is really interesting. But uh, as as far as your question goes, the question at least coming out of TNA was, what did he bring to the table that was different from other guys? You know, Samoa Joe brought a very different look to him, right? Uh, James AJ Storm. St- James Storm. Well, this was before James Storm. So now James, okay. James Storm. But, you know, when it was first coming out, what did AJ say? He was, a, you know, obviously a smaller guy. And, you know, they had a lot of smaller guys. They had started to bring in all of the indie talent who didn't necessarily fit the WWE most. So it was like, okay, AJ Styles, as an older guy, does he really bring anything to the table? Over the past almost two years now since he's left TNA, He's evolved a lot as a wrestler. You know, there's a lot of question whether he could talk at all, whether he could be a real, true, you know, number one star. And I think Japan and his work in Ring of Honor has shown that he can. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if WWE came knocking sooner rather than later. All right. All right. I mean, I, I, it just seems to me like he's the type of guy that particularly if 
when we talk about branding NXT, yeah. If you just left him there, if you said, we're going to give you a, a two-year deal, we want you at NXT for the entirety of the two years. We want you to work with guys. We want your matches to matter. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's the type of guy that fits perfectly with what they're trying to do. I still think we're in a lot of ways trying to figure out exactly what the end game is for a guy like Samoa Joe, right? right. Like, why is it, you know, we? I think a lot of us thought that he'd be up by now, you know, oh, yeah. that, if not sooner than now, that we thought that around SummerSlam was probably going to be about the time. And I think we're trying to figure out exactly what the plan is with NXT. and If and they it, are going to have people be NXT Just vipers. NXT guys, yep. right. And I think that AJ Styles would fit in that mold. I still think that, especially given your lack of talent right now, it probably would have helped to have had Joe. I think that James Storm probably needs a little bit longer. I don't think he was as well-known as Samoa Joe no. was. Um, but I think that Joe would have made more sense to try to get up and introduce into this situation that you have right now with a lack of top guys on your card. So I think AJ Styles would fit into that mold of, okay, bring up Joe and AJ Styles can sort of help you with grooming your young talent at the NXT level. You know, I think the real question is at this point, would AJ Styles accept a job uh, in NXT? Very fair. You know, he's, he's right. one of the kings over in New Japan. New Japan's doing the partnership with Ring of Honor. He's right. getting the... Uh, you know, the title match at Final Battle for Ring of Honor. So it's possible that that Nakamura Styles yeah. match is uh, a Ring of Honor world title versus New Japan IC champion. Yeah. So, you know, it's possible that he's like, you know what? You're not going to pay me any more than I'm making now. So I'm just going to kind of do this because I'm really enjoying myself in the Bullet Club right now. Uh, number two, let's pay off something that we kind of alluded to a little bit earlier on in the show, and that was perhaps something regarding The Undertaker's future. Yeah, it seems, I believe it was uh, Dave Meltzer who came out and said that the plans right now, the penciled-in plans for WrestleMania, is that The Undertaker is going to have a match with John Cena. Oh. Oh. I mean... They had you, to pull the you trigger had suge- at some You point. had suggested this. Uh, when we did uh, some fantasy booking not long ago, you had suggested this as, if you're trying to fill Cowboy Stadium, this is one big super match that you can have. Um, I-, I guess this immediately means, if you do pull the trigger on this, then you're essentially, I think, saying at the same time, we're going to do Brock Roman Part 2. You know what I mean? Like, is Unless you've got some ace... In you know up your rock, sleeve, rock, maybe something like that. You know something involving Triple H, something right. involving. Um, if 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 you don't have anything like that, then there is no real other truly logical thing to do with Brock Lesnar. Well, than Brock to have wasn't going to take facing no or take her at me. You know, I hear you say that, but there's always the well, Cena Brock thing can always happen at any point. Any it they did it twelve times. Already. Yeah, I, and but that's the, I, I'm. Guessing they were never looking at doing Cena Brock or Taker Brock. I, I guess here's a couple things that come from this. You kind of accept the fact. One is, look, you've been having so much difficulty with getting Cena to be a face. Why would you do this to him on top of it? Well, the answer is because you're just sort of accepting it at this point, right? That you're accepting that the 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 big nature of the match is more significant than whatever the long term right. you know benefit or harm is for John Cena. Right. You've never done it before. Doesn't John a, Cena yeah. deserve the opportunity you're, to face the Undertaker you're running out at WrestleMania? Of time to do it, quite frankly, if you don't do it this year, when are you ever going to do it? But it comes back to our bigger concern, which is, is this the last match for the Undertaker? Because if it is, I think the re- wrestling fans will hate the idea that it came against John Cena. I think that there is, based on what we know, th- this is, of course, John Cena would be the one to retire the Undertaker, right? Right. Like, of course he would be. 
if if this really is the final match, th- th- there's nothing more the WWE than to have John Cena retire him because it doesn't help anyone at all. It's the it, this is just what they do, right? Like right. this is the LOL Cena wins meme that we talk about. Of course, you know, for for always talk about you know retiring to put somebody over. That doesn't happen. I mean, and yeah, this it is more normally, the LOL. It, it, you know, it more Shawn happens. Michaels retired Ric Flair. Exactly. Undertaker retired, retired Shawn, Shawn Michaels. Michaels. What did they get out of that? Correct. Now, in that vein. I feel like it would have made more sense to have Brock retire right. the Undertaker, right. um, following in those footsteps. Someone who had a true rivalry, you know what I mean? Like there's a right. that that would have been far more logical than having John Cena, who's never even like acknowledged the Undertaker's existence. They have had one singles match, and that was before Cena became Cena. Exactly. Yeah. It would just make no actual sense for him to be the one to retire the Undertaker, other than again, you have LOL, to have, Cena wins. And you have to have this match. You have I, to. Have, I disagree with you on that. You don't have to. You have don't it. have to. It's. Nobody's been clamoring for John Cena Undertaker. I, no I, I one think, has. Been. I think more people than you think would. No, be fully I think, I'm not it. saying they wouldn't be behind it, but there has been no clamoring for. No, but aren't we going to get John Cena Undertaker? There's nothing about the two of them that makes you think that they have to cross paths anymore. Other than they haven't. It's, other, it's, it's other, other than that, right? It's, it's basically the one big match between two huge superstars, and it would be stunning if they just never crossed paths. I, I guess. I mean, I, I'm sure that has probably happened more than we realize that it has, that you could go back among eras and be like, wow, wouldn't you be surprised to know that so-and-so never really did much with so-and-so? Probably. But – and again, John Cena wasn't really in the Undertaker's era. It just so happens to be that the Undertaker has stretched out I was gonna say, well, well into John Cena's era. So, I mean, you could say that like 05 to 09 really was the best stretch ever for Undertaker. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not. No, I mean, clearly, his, you know, he his is. His era was it, before that. Right. He, he's known more as the 90s and the Attitude Era, and then there's the Cena era, which is another reason Look, why. It, if you want to do it for the sake of. Of filling a stadium and it's a big time match. And, and, and you could say, you know, two eras clash. Yeah, you want to do all that. I'm not, I'm not telling you not to. It's, it's. Here's the other thing. I don't think this is a retirement match. And, and that's the other part that comes out of it, right? Then, then who is? You know, we'll, we'll find that out when it does, ha- you know. But, but okay, but we, maybe we should have done this. Maybe this should have been our top five for this week is yeah. who would you have as the. Well, um, I, I guess the question is when is he going to retire? That's a big part of it. I mean, because I could say, okay, well, Kevin Owens should retire. Yeah, what if he retires five years from now? What if he's my still argument, going My argument was now? always that Randy Orton should be the one to retire him because it would be the ultimate legend killer thing, right? right. Like that you always, you but if it come... happens five years from now, it's like, should he, you know. Right. You know, and like five years from now, we're talking about Cena and Orton as guys that are when are they going to retire, right? Right, exactly. Um, and so that, the other, that's the problem with it. We and, don't know. And the other clip to this, too, is are you ever going to get Sting Taker? And it looks more and more like you're never going to get Sting Taker. And that's and the I'm one. And I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it because I'd, I'd rather see Cena take it than Sting take it. This is the funny part. I'm so opposed to Undertaker wrestling that I'd almost rather you just do the mockery of it and do uh, Sting Taker because I don't. I'm not getting anything from Cena Taker, and there's far more interest and there's been far more fervor for Sting Taker. That if you really want to sell out a stadium, if that's what it's all about, just do the stupid match, right? Do the match that again I have no interest in, but at least more of the world has interest in. Than this. This is just, hey, these are two guys with really big names. We're going to put them in a match together, and you'll probably tune in because you'll tune in. Fine. I get it. I hear you. Yep. But this one would be more logical for me. Again, it comes back to, is it his final match? And I'm probably with you where I don't think it is. Number three is really bizarre. For some inexplicable reason, Bill Goldberg... Um, I... <laughs> 
Stop by TMZ. So let's start with this, right? Presumably Bill Goldberg didn't call TMZ and say, how many walking out of a sandwich shop? Come talk to me. TMZ, it, it's so amazing what they do because they will just talk to anyone. Anyone. So they stop, um, they stop Bill Goldberg and he throws in a few, uh, uh, uh clips. I'm, I'm reading the write up from, uh, Uprocks. And one of them is, I enjoy vomiting more than my time in the WWE. Uh, this is sad. It, it, is. It, it's kind of sad to an extent. I, we're, we're about to turn it into a joke, but b- before we get into the joking yeah. part, it, it's kind of sad that Goldberg has to resort to this to right. try to be relevant. Well, and this is what I come to. The moment in question is a 2003 beer bash featuring Austin and Goldberg, in which Goldberg drinks a reported 13 beers they broke in hand, and Austin just pours them all over his face. Granted, anyone who has ever watched Steve Austin drink beers... Knows that 40% goes in the air, 50% hits him in the face, and only about 10% goes in or near his mouth. But this is a kayfabe-crushing illusion for some. Uh, yeah. Goldberg accusing Steve Austin of being a beer faker, if you will. By the way, here's the clip. Do you want to just play this? No. No? No, I really don't. Let's just play the damn All clip. All right. Give me that. This way, at least... I know exactly how to respond. Uh, so you've done a lot of mo- a lot of features now. Are you enjoying the the movie work more than your career? Nah, who cares the about, nobody cares about that. He's not really doing more movies. Than my work at the WWE. Um, <laughs> oh, that was my, hang on. Movie work more than your that was the line. The WWE. Are you enjoying that more? I think I enjoy just about. I, I enjoy vomiting more than my work at the WWE. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my work at WCW was was awesome. I had a great time there. WWE was a little bit different. Why was there a bad taste in your mouth? Of the WWE. Oh, just the the business itself, you know, um, it's not always a positive one. And at the age that I was when I was at the WWE, I was kind of sick and tired of dealing with situations like that. And so, um, as opposed to having uh, people tell me what to do, who who I don't believe uh, knew what to do at the at, at their own time, um, you know, I chose not to be there anymore. So you had superiors that you felt that were incompetent. I didn't, I, not necessarily. I mean, the whole business is, is kind of different, you know. I'm not really trashing it. There are certain situations in any business to where it's an unfavorable situation. But uh, I had a crappy time at WWE. Are you ever going to get back in the ring with perhaps Stone Cold? That, that, that fight has always been kind of... Who knows, man? I mean, people have said it many times in the past. I've been asked the question a thousand times. And, right, you right, know, right. It's always turned around that Goldberg wants one more match and he wants it with Austin. Well, the reality is, if there was another match, who would you want it with? It'd be with Steve. Right. Was he really drinking beers or were those fake? Was that like O'Doul's or something? The son of a bitch. He was, pour- he was pouring them out and I was drinking them. You could take that to the <laughs> freaking bank. Was there alcohol content? Were they, were they non-alcoholic or were they actual? The night that I broke my hand and went into the ring and did a beer bass with Austin, which was the first night that I, I interacted with him on camera, I drank 13 beers and he didn't drink any. He informed me that later. And uh, thank God I did because, like I said, I broke my hand and it made it feel better. So you had a buzz. Yeah, a little bit. Absolutely. Oh, nice, nice. There you go. There you go. There's a lot in there. All right. Yeah. And and let's respond to it, and then we'll have fun with it. All right. Yeah. It is disappointing, obviously, that Bill Goldberg feels the need to trash WWE, and it makes you think that the Hall of Fame thing is farther it'll, away it'll, from. It'll happen eventually. It, it, I I just I feel like Goldberg is what you know. 
he said that because he knows that's what's going to get on TMZ. Well, that's what's going to spread around when if he bash, you know, if he said, "Oh yeah, I love my time with WWE." That yeah, right. Make any yeah, yeah. That's if fair. he says, "I'd rather vomit," that's what. It, and Goldberg right now is trying to make waves and trying. Is he to, though? Like, what's he doing? It's so what, funny the guy asked him about what, doing movies. Like, like Bill Goldberg has been a big movie star since then. Was was he was he in the Longest Yard? He, yeah, he was in the Longest Yard. Um. I mean, but that's the thing. He's not doing much, so he has to keep himself relevant. Okay. He has to give people But reason. wouldn't it also be a good way to be relevant if, like, you had a working relationship with the WWE? That would make sense. I mean, I, I'm not an idiot. Well, but he's apparently also asking, like, ridiculous amount to show up one time, like, right. based on all the, the indie appearances he's done and stuff. But, uh, um, you know, it, it's just kind of sad. Yeah. Quite, quite frankly. It sort of sucks. It sort of sucks. But he accuses Steve Austin of not drinking beer. I mean, I can't believe that. Ridiculous. I, thought, I mean, you know, when, when he clashed two beers together and the beer flew over, I thought he just magically stuck out. Like, <laughs> right. All of it drank all of it, yeah. transported into his mouth. Like, yeah. th- this is stunning. Absolutely absurd. But it got us to thinking. What are some other surprising accusations that perhaps have been made over the years about WWE performers? Something that maybe would completely catch us off guard. We would not believe if we were to hear it. And so that's this week's top five. Top five other surprising, uh, unexpected you know, statements that were made about, that could be made about other WWE performers over the years. For example, my number five, Aaron, and I don't remember where I saw this. I want to say I saw it. I don't think it was TMZ. I think this might have been in the Inquirer. I saw this. It all it said was it was from and they did uh, unnamed unnamed source. I believe, however, they said the unnamed source uh, was. Uh, let me get this. Hang on a second. Uh, uh, from the planet Funkasaur. From the planet. Okay. That's where they they said yes. it was from. Uh, apparently, former NFL player Matthew Bloom, neither Japanese nor interested in hip hop music. That that's ridiculous, completely ridiculous. You believe that? No, I mean, of course I don't believe it. Why would I? I mean, I saw the man. He was he was Tensai. Tensai was a Japanese guy. I mean, I he had, am I am I crazy? He had a, he had a dude that came out with him. Remember? Yeah. Yep. It's a yep. Jap. And then and then I definitely saw him the hip hop hippo. Yes, that man enjoyed hip hop music. He did enjoy hip hop music. I don't know who the Planet Funk person thinks he is, but. Terrible. Completely unacceptable. Awful. Uh, my you got number, one, number five? Yeah, I, I do. I got this from the New York Post, actually. The New York Post? That's a reputable... Well, kind of. It used to be. <laughs> I was going to say. Not quite so much. Yeah. But um, this, this actually is a named source. What? And and, and is one Christian. Wow. Well, that's good that they were able to get him go on the record. Yes. Uh, Christian went on the record, and he said, I mean, I don't know if I want to believe this or not. Yes. Not only... This is a double lie where we have what? been told in the past. What? Not only... Are Edge and Christian not really brothers? I mean, I know that that's not. They weren't vampires either. What? I mean, I I, I think this is Christian just kind of going off and running. Yeah, this sounds like a guy that's bitter about the way it's gone down at the end for him. Where where Edge has gone into the Hall of Fame and he's sort of been faded off television. He sounds like a bitter former performer that's just trying to throw something out there. You know what? Sounds like Bill Goldberg to me. You know what I mean? Just, oh, I know it'll make a headline. I'll go tell the Post that we weren't vampires. Sure you weren't, Christian. Sure you weren't. I think all those concussions have gotten to him. No, I, I, I swear I saw Gangrel actually bite someone's neck once. I swear of it. Well, all to right. be fair, never said anything about Gangrel. 
Oh, okay. That's a good point. All right, fair. That's a good point. I, I don't want to just start throwing out accusations that weren't made. That's now, just like the mainstream media taking statements. I, you know what? I I blame myself. I blame myself. Uh, my next one actually came also a named source, Hornswoggle. Huh? Who he went? Uh, actually, you know, now that Jonathan Coachman is breaking stories, he went to ESPN and said never received a single Christmas card from his father, Vince McMahon. Do you believe that? Wow. That's quite the accusation to make, to just throw out there, that for Hornswoggle, of all people to say, not even a single Christmas card from his own father, who also just so happens to be chairman of the WWE. Terrible. It's an Terrible. awful allegation. It's awful allegation to make on the behalf of Hornswoggle. You could say a lot of things about Vince McMahon, but saying he's a bad father is I, not one of those. It just seems things. absurd to me. Terrible. Yeah. You're number four. Uh, I got this one from The Sun, actually. The Baltimore Sun? No, 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 no. The, the British Sun. Oh, okay. It's yes. different. No. I was going to say, you broke this story. I broke, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, this one, it's interesting. It's very timely because we were watching a video about this group uh, before we started the show, but uh, this comes from Tank Abbott. And Tank Abbott says, do you, do you remember the group Three Count? I do. The Three Count, you know, they were the boy band. They went out, they sung I, their songs, they absolutely. danced. Absolutely. Tank Abbott said they lip-synced. What? He said they Tank Abbott said that? Yes, he was their number one fan and said that he was completely and utterly just brokenhearted. I'm not, com- I'm not sure I'm comfortable with this, Aaron. He, he, just the accusation is there. I'm, not, I'm just not sure I'm comfortable with you saying these types of things. It's, all right? I, I mean, I'm just, I'm the, I'm the messenger here. Oh, I'm not Jesus. saying it. All right, all right, I got, I got one. I got one for you, okay? This one actually did come from TMZ. Uh, this one came from, and again, I know that we throw around these unnamed sources, and that's very difficult, but it's an unnamed source this time. However, it is an unnamed former WWE hardcore champion. Okay. Who alleges the Godfather, actually just a happily married guy. <laughs> I mean, come on, we saw his hose. Clearly not true. I mean. <laughs> I mean, come on. And for the former, an unnamed former hardcore champion to just throw that out? I mean, that could be anyone. Seriously. I mean, it couldn't be Crash Holly, obviously, but it could be anyone else. Wow. Wow. That's Jesus, terrible. That was wrong. That, that really was Boy. wrong. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's recompose. All right. You're number three. My number three from the mirror. And this comes the, You got a lot of British. <laughs> you, you love reading those British. Oh, yeah. Papers. You know, they're the best tabloids. All right. Um, and, and an unknown mystical force. Yes. Who, who apparently is close with uh, gravity. What? Actually. He's close with gravity. And said, gravity actually has not forgotten Shut about up. Neville. Gravity knows about Neville. Knows. He chooses at times to ignore okay, Neville. Okay, well, that's understandable. But he has not forgotten it at any time. When he when he focuses on Neville, it's a pretty drastic accusation that you're making over there, Ao. You I better mean, be you better be sure about your source on this. Hey, that the unknown mystical force has said uh, that gra- wow. he knows gravity well, and gravity is well aware of Neville's existence. Wow, wow, that is that is damning. You know, like that is really really damning. All right, I think I saw this one on Deadspin the other day. I think that's where I got number two. Uh, this is, I'm, you know what? I I'll tell you. He's not, he's not doing the work for you. He's just painting the picture. Former WWE champion Mankind said, Hey guys, I'm just wondering, have you ever seen Mick Foley, Dude Love, and Cactus Jack in the same room at the same time? Well, I have actually. They were on the screen together and they said, Cactus Jack but, is back. But were they in the same room? Oh, looked like it. You are just making that assumption. Mankind wanted to know, have you ever seen Mick Foley, Dude Love, and Cactus Jack in the same room at the same time? And if I'm being truthful, I have not. Not personally, not with my own eyes. 
And so I'm not again, mankind's not doing the work for you. You gotta you gotta push on it. But he might be on to something when it comes to those three guys. I'm just willing to put that out there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a stunning accusation. Um Us Weekly. I was reading Us, Us Weekly. Us Weekly. I go there a lot for my wrestling news. Yes, Us Weekly. And uh for I don't know why this is a cover story, but I guess you know, wrestling is getting more mainstream. That's true, that's a good point. It, it, it's a former WWE tech guy. What? A guy in the back. Okay. And um he said, and it's interesting that we're bringing it up now, um, The Undertaker, The Lightning, uh, apparently... Oh, don't you dare. I, I, don't you dare. A tech guy... Is There's a, a reason I don't read Us Weekly. A tech guy is saying The Undertaker doesn't actually control... Jesus it. Christ. That's it. That's it. I'm not doing this segment anymore. Now, he never he never specified whether The Lightning was real or not, so The Lightning could still be real, just controlled by some unknown other force. Oh, my God. This is truly a disturbing. I, I don't even know what to say. All right, well, one more for me, okay? One All more right. for me, because this one, I'm surprised you didn't actually hear about this one. Uh, this one actually uh, made the cover of OK Magazine, and it was something that was unearthed. Um, you know, a lot of times when someone passes away, they leave behind, uh, you know, like a memoir, right? Like they leave behind. They've they've keeping a journal. They've they've kept some documents uh, about their life and. Uh, just recently, OK Magazine unearthed the memoirs of one May Young. And I quote, Mark Henry had no involvement in raising our hand. Terrible. Terrible. I mean, that is a, that's the world's strongest man now, here's the that question. we're talking about. Did May Young ever confirm or deny whether that hand grew up into Darren Young. I mean, it is, I understand the question that you're asking. I do not, I did not read far enough into the story okay. to be able to, I can't say that affirmatively. Hang, hang on a second. Um, uh, it, ooh, ooh, this is, this is also uncomfortable, however. Also, she goes on to say, Mark Henry, not even man enough to eat her edible panties. You're the worst. You just went way too far with that. As, as she noted. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> they were actually watermelon, not even tutti frutti. Just made it up. And I'll wrap up with this. With yeah, did quick, you have any more? <laughs> yeah, quick, a, a, a quick headline here from uh, the Globe. Oh, the Globe. He's <laughs> love pulling these out of London. Is that one from London? I believe, I believe so. I believe so. Um, headline. Our friend Holly Blanchard goes to the Globe. What? Ric Flair? We hates horses. Shut up! We had him on! We could have asked him about that! You were sitting on that story! Needs to go here. Hates horses. That is a stunning accusation. <laughs> All right. I'm really glad we did that. Every now and then we gotta do one of those. Every now and then. All right. Uh, we need to thank WrestleCrate for making the show happen for us each and every week. WrestleCrate.com, at WrestleCrates on Twitter. And, of course, uh, use the code JOSENTME. Take 10% off your monthly subscription to the best care package known to man that is WrestleCrate. Fantasizer is where we host our fantasy WWE league. You can go check it out and uh, get involved in a league for your own favorite reality shows or just about anything on the face of the planet. 
Um, thanks to MCW for uh, organizing our interview with Tully Blanchard. Go support Maryland Championship Wrestling Hopefully this weekend. Hopefully we'll be out there on Saturday. Yeah, I'm hoping to make – I think that it might be possible for me to get there on Saturday. MarylandWrestling.com is the website for you to go uh, find out more about their two big events this weekend. Aaron – oh, and thanks to Tully Blanchard, of course. Of course, yeah. Uh, th- Aaron, you are on Twitter where? VA Oster. Uh, the show is on Twitter where? Jobbing Out Show. The show's Gmail is what? Jobbing Out Show at gmail.com. And what do you have coming up at the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone? Wrestling stuff. Thank you. Yep. I'm Glenn Clark at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. GlennClarkRadio.com is uh, my website. For uh, WrestleCrate, for Fantasizer, for Aaron, for our silent partner, AJ Francis, I'm Glenn. This is Ben jobbing out.